minister, hallelujah, and bless folk. Father, we just thank you. Your word, Lord, is the same word that's upholding the universe. And uh, we just thank you, Father God, that you know all about every situation. And you have ordained your perfect ministry, Lord, for each and every heart today. So let this word be anointed and lift up and encourage your people in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. amen. And um, you could turn this down a little bit more. I appreciate it. Psalm 149. Psalm 149. I'm going to put verse 1 and verse 6 together. Um, so if you're following along, after I read verse 1, I'm just going to skip right down to verse 6. The thought uh, just flows. And here we go. Praise the Lord. And there's a big exclamation point in the scriptures. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. His praise in the assembly of the godly. Let the high praise of God be in their mouths and a two-edged sword in their hands. See how the Lord brings together the idea of praising God and warfare. The high praise of God is in their mouth while a two-edged sword is in their hand. The indication is that it is specifically the praise of God that is God's weapon in spiritual warfare. That is the greatest weapon we have in defeating the enemy, is our praise of, of the Lord. And uh, so last week, you want to uh, you can just download for free online in a couple of different locations, including our website, the message. I'm just going to continue that message from last week. And uh, we looked at the definition. A lot of the times the word praise, particularly in Psalms, and in other places in the Scripture is translated um, praise is this Hebrew word halal. And it's a wonderful word. It, um, it means to be clear, to shine, to make a show. To boast, to be clamorously foolish, uh, clamorously foolish, rather, uh, to rave. And then amidst all these words that have a specific direction about celebrating and lifting up and shining with the Lord's presence is this odd, almost out of place word that also is in the definition. And that's this funny, quirky sounding word. Stultify. How many of you have ever heard the word stultify? You know what stultify means. Most of us don't even use it anymore. Unless you read, unless you read old literature, you usually don't know what stultify means. But I'm going to give you the definition, not to worry. Um, but when I give it to you, you're going to think, my goodness, the word halal, which means to praise God, all the definitions move in this one direction, to give glory to God and to be excited and to celebrate. And then here's stultify, which is heading in the total opposite direction. Because the word stultify, I'm going to bring two very similar, but two definitions this morning. I'll share the first one with you right now, then the second one a little later on in the message. But uh, the first one is to lose enthusiasm and initiative. So here you have the picture of praise, and we're doing 
anything but losing enthusiasm. We are glorying, exulting, even raving in the Lord. Hallelujah. Celebrating, shouting, clapping, jumping up and down. Praise the Lord. Um, making a show, boasting in the Lord. And then here's the word, which basically means to totally take the wind out of one's sails, to stultify. So what possibly could the psalmist be getting at here when he, when he speaks about showing forth and shining praises, who's he trying to depress while at the same time glorifying God? And the answer, you're sharp crowd. Uh, I'm sure you probably realize it. It's the enemy. In Psalm uh, 50 verse 23, it says, whosoever offers praise glorifies me. So while God's being glorified, the devil's being stultified. Let's try that one more time because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need you to be the choir this morning. While God's being glorified, the enemy's being stultified. stultified. And you know, now that you, you know, I'm going to share with you a, um, a little more in depth about that word stultified. But now you get the general idea of what it means. It even feels like what it sounds like. You, you wouldn't, if you woke up one of those mornings where your, you know, your body barely got up at the rest of your state of sleep, you would feel stultified. It just, you know what I'm saying? In fact, I don't know if they watch TV in heaven, but if they do and if they have reality shows, you know how the reality shows are popular? I can see a reality show called Stultified. And every week the angels would gather around. And all the Old Testament saints from Abraham's bosom, and they all gather around the giant monitor to watch Stultified. And they would see all of these different um, real-life um, uh, um, episodes where the devil put together some elaborate scheme to take some people out just as he was about to finish them off instead of drowning in defeat, somebody said, well, let's just praise the Lord. And so they began to praise God and the devil was... They began to lift up praise and the devil lost his enthusiasm. All of his initiative drained out. So in other words... Um, Stultifying is whenever the devil works up one of his schemes uh, against you, but it fails because you praise God instead of collapsing in defeat, Satan loses enthusiasm. He loses initiative. He becomes discouraged. Oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? How many times has he discouraged you? Wouldn't it be great to get even? Wouldn't it be wonderful to put him on aspirin once in a while? And uh, so he becomes discouraged. He becomes deflated when we praise God and the Lord breaks through. The devil becomes... So I've called this message, and that's what I would call the TV show, Stultified by Praise. Stultified by Praise. You can just see him skulking off. His bag empty, clothes all torn, hair burned off his head, stultified by praise. So halal, our definition, uh, put it in our terms, of halal would be 
praising God so demonstrably that the Holy Spirit shines through you with such assertive clarity, it discourages, deflates, and diminishes the devil. It stultifies him. That's what halal is. That's what praise is. Now, the purpose, the objective of praise is not to bind the devil, but it most certainly is a residual result. Because as the Lord is lifted up and his light is lifted up, what happens to the prince of darkness? He's stultified. So in that psalm, in Psalm uh, 149 that I opened up with, that's why David, when he sees the believers, he sees them with the high praise of God in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. So while God's being glorified, Satan's being stultified. Now, the whole point of this message this morning is because I'd like you to begin to see how your praise damages the devil. We go through trials, we become fixated naturally on our own weakness, how we collapse under pressure, how those pressures cause us to buckle and we feel so ashamed of ourselves and and we feel discouraged and we feel like, well, you know, I'm the most unspiritual person. I'm not faithful. But you just don't realize. The Bible says, though the righteous fall seven times, they keep getting up. See, greater is he that is in the midst of us, that is in us, than he that is in the world. If you won't stop praising God, the devil can't win. And God will just keep picking you up. And one of these days, you won't go down quite so far. And then one of these days, you won't go down in that same way ever again. And even though we have weaknesses through life and we stumble sometimes, you'll just see that steady rise in your life and the devil regarding you is going to be stultified. So what I've done is I've picked three very quick little stories out of the scripture that illustrate the devil being stultified by praise. And uh, so I want to start with Jesus. Jesus is the subject of my first story. And in Luke's gospel, chapter 10, Jesus has sent out 72 disciples. And he's given them power to lay hands on the sick and to cast out devils and to preach the gospel. He tells them to go in all these villages where he's going to show up later on. And he says, I want you to go before me and I want you to preach the gospel. And I want you to heal the sick and, and, and so forth. So they go. And then after some time, they come back, and they're all excited, and they're praising God. You could just see them skipping. Maybe when they left, they were a little nervous. We're going to do this without Jesus? No, 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 you don't. he's going to be with you. Take my name. I'll be with you. But when they come back, they're just dancing. And the Bible, and, and the Bible says in uh, Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy. They went out with a little trepidation, they went out with a little trepidation, came back with joy, hallelujah, praising God, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. But Jesus said, hey, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I saw him being stultified. As you were out there in my name, lifting me up, I watched him fall from heaven. I know that traditionally people sometimes like to read this verse and think that Jesus, who's ever the mystic, 
has the disciples come and say, Oh Lord, it worked. People got healed. Even the demons were, were coming out as we cast them out. And Jesus, in his most esoteric manner, uh, is drifting off in his mind towards the future and saying, I saw Satan fall like lightning. And he's speaking down the road historically of when the devil will be cast out of heaven. No, no, no. Um, if you actually study the original Greek text, and I'm no scholar, but uh, definitely can read books, uh, one of the things you find out is that Jesus basically said, and I saw. He, his response to them is in line with what they said they saw. So they come back and say, we saw this. Jesus said, let me tell you what I saw. When, when you saw people being healed and the demons coming out, I saw the devil shoot like a rocket out of the heavenlies, out of the spirit realm, and just hit the earth like a, like a lump of coal, creote, hitting the grates of hell. And uh, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And Jesus goes on to say, Behold, I, I have given you authority to tread on serpents, and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this, that the devils are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In other words, let the centerpiece, the objective of your praise, be that God has made you his daughter. God has made you his son. And uh, the enemy has already lost his battle for your soul. And uh, the scripture says that Jesus, right after that, in that hour, that very same hour, that very same meeting and episode, it says, Jesus rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. Now, the word rejoiced is an interesting word because it basically means to jump up and down for joy. So Jesus rejoiced or started jumping around and leaping for joy. And the Bible says he did it in the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between jumping for joy and jumping for joy in the Holy Spirit? This is the difference. The difference is that as Jesus is listening to the disciples tell him how we went in your name and even the demons were subject to us and Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. He's thinking about this in his mind and the Holy Spirit within him starts to jump up with joy. You know, the Holy Spirit's the spirit of joy. And so the joy of the Lord in Jesus starts to rise up. How many of you recall times in your life when that's happened? You've gotten into a service, somebody's sharing, someone's preaching, and all of a sudden you caught a word, a phrase. Something just came across your mind and something jumped up on the inside of you. And it's the Holy Spirit, the spirit of joy. So when that happened, Jesus started jumping around. He started leaping around. I could just see him saying, praise God. That's awesome. Thank you, Father. And the Bible gives a little prayer that Jesus prayed at that time, thanking God. So there's all of this rejoicing happening. And, you know, I personally think that Jesus may have, when he was leaping for joy, he may have been thinking back and remembering when he was in the wilderness, fasting in prayer for the success of, of the transference of the ministry of redemption and of reconciliation from him to his disciples, fasting for the success 
of his revelation to the world, connecting with those who've been in darkness, and how he was fasting 40 days and 40 nights, and how the enemy came at him and tried to get him to quit, tried to get him to stop fasting, tried to tell him, oh, you, you know what, uh, uh, if you're the son of God, you don't need to, you don't need to worry about uh, uh, everything that, that you're planning on doing. Uh, just turn those rocks into bread and feed yourself. Stop your fast and prove that you're the son of God to yourself. Don't, everyone else will take care of themselves. In fact, um, if you worship me, you don't have to travel all over and suffer all kinds of uh, 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 resistance from the religious community. Just worship me. I'll give you all the disciples you need. I'll give you the world. I'll just get mine to give. I'll give it to you. In fact, um, you know what? Just go to Jerusalem right now. Here, let me take you and throw yourself off the temple right in front of everybody. Splat. Just, just kill yourself in front of everybody. But Remember the psalm says, the Father will keep you in his hands and raise you up. So you'll be raised from the dead right in front of everybody. But every time the enemy unleashed his ever-intensifying attacks against Jesus, pulling out the very best of his weapons, just let it all loose on him. Every time, Jesus just praised God with the word. He gave glory to God with the word. You know what the Bible says? And the Bible says very subtly in the fourth chapter of Luke, it says, and the devil left him for a season. I've always laughed when I read that because I thought he didn't just leave him. He drug his beat down nasty carcass out of that desert heading for the first little enclave of demons he could find and get among his own people and get himself kind of put back together after Jesus stultified the bugger. Can you say amen? amen. Jesus stultified the devil. And so did the disciples. Through praise, both Jesus lifting up the Father, rejoicing, and the disciples with joy lifting up the Lord. Guess what? They made the devil lose enthusiasm and lose initiative. His initiatives failed. He failed at being able to dis uh, uh, destroy the enthusiasm of the devil. Instead, they praised God and he lost his enthusiasm. Satan was stultified by praise. There's another story you're probably familiar with. I know you remember the guy in the Old Testament who was swallowed by the big fish. His name was Jonah. And the story of Jonah is a story of God calling to a prophet and saying, I'm, I want you to go to the uh, wicked city of Nineveh among the Assyrians. 120,000 people lived in Nineveh at this time. They are about to be destroyed in judgment, but I want you to go warn them. Now, they're not Jewish. They are, they're Gentiles, and they're Gentiles of the worst order. The Assyrians were sort of the worst of the worst. And so you can imagine how immoral and terrible uh, Nineveh was. And so when God speaks to Jonah and gives him the assignment, says, go to Nineveh, he runs off in the opposite direction. Because as the, as the brief story of, Nin, uh, of uh, Jonah goes, we find out that he's extremely prejudiced. And he wants them destroyed. He doesn't want to, to see them possibly hear uh, the warning that he's going to give and repent. He, he thinks they should be 
wiped out. So God's got this uh, recalcitrant prophet who's reluctant, and he goes in the opposite direction. And through a series of events, he goes out to sea, buys a ticket on a ship. He's going out there. Storm starts to sink the boat and everything because they're taking him further away from the will of God. And finally, he tells the captain, you know, I'm the reason why this storm's going down. There's no need for you all to die. Just throw me overboard. And so they toss him overboard. And they toss Jonah in the sea. But the Bible says that a great fish, I know we like to say a whale, but it doesn't say it was a whale, it says it was a great fish. Probably one of our groupers from off the coast here because you get those giant Goliath groupers, they could swallow a diver. So at any rate, a great fish swallows Jonah and Jonah spends the next three days in the belly of this fish and he's dying and the devil has got to be excited. Can you imagine how excited Satan is? Because he's not only about to rid himself of one of God's prophets, but he's also going to short-circuit God's plan to give this wicked city an opportunity to turn to God and avert judgment. And so he knows, I'm not only going to kill a prophet, I'm going to ensure that, I, uh, that 120 people are wiped out by judgment. He is licking his chops. He's so excited. Um, but just as Jonah is about finished, he's just about breathing his last. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Let me, let me just read you the verse, and, and it'll speak for itself. Because he writes the account in the, in the book of Jonah. Jonah says, When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer came to you, O Lord, into your holy temple. I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Deliverance belongs to the Lord, with an ex exclamation point. And he begins to proclaim the praise of God. Now, I don't know, I know that fish can hear, because Pastor Terry and I like to go fishing, and so if we get couple of svelte lightweights like us, we never make any noise in the boat, but we may be bending over to get a, fetch a sandwich out of the cooler and bang around, and then there's a shush, and then of course the fishing's kind of kaput for about an hour. So I know that fish here, can you imagine being one of those fish swimming by that great fish and think, what the, what? And they hear this muffled from inside the fish. And so he says, I began to lift up and vow to the Lord that I would praise him publicly and deliverance belongs to you, Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah up upon dry land. I don't even want to talk about how that might have happened. But it's an amazing story. Jonah realizes, as he's about to die, his terrible error. And he repents by praising God. He doesn't, as he's dying, say, Oh, Father, I've been wretchedly wrong. Please forgive me. No. He says, You know what? I owe praise to God. So I'm going to praise the Lord. And the Lord just unlocks that fish. And uh, the fish spits him out onto the beach. 
And Jonah gets himself together and he runs off to Nineveh. He preaches and guess what? The king of Nineveh, all of the elders call a fast and they put their adults, their children, the dogs and cats, the horses, the sheep, even the mice. No living creature that draws a breath in Nineveh is allowed. Was it 40 days, 40 nights, or 20? Some long fast. They went on a long fast repenting to the God of the Jews, not even their God. Repenting to Jehovah, to Yahweh. And the Lord hears it, and he delivers them, and uh, they are spared. So Jonah's praise kills the devil's excitement and causes him to lose enthusiasm and initiative. I just know he did. That was, that was a great blow. Once again, Satan has been stultified by praise. Now, I told you I wanted to give you a second uh, definition. Here's the second definition. Stultified, to have a dulling or inhibiting effect to impair and to invalidate. So imagine being able to dull the devil, being able to inhibit him, being able to cause him to be impaired, crippled, to invalidate his claims and, and uh, his uh, weapons and make them broken and ineffective. In other words, whenever the devil arranges circumstances against you, but you decide to praise God for the victory rather than giving in to the threat, your praise binds the devil from being able to successfully bring his weapons to bear against you. He would strike you down, take you out with disease, use your weaknesses and your problems to destroy you. But you, instead of allowing yourself to go down, or getting into some big wrestling match or fight with the devil, you just begin to praise the Lord. You just say, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry I got all bummed out, but you are still worthy. I, my, my soul exalts in you, Lord. I praise you, you're worthy. And as you begin to praise God, it's not you in shining armor. We, I, I see all these memes on Facebook, and I think, somebody ought to read the Bible more often. Um, you see all these women in armor with flowing, you know, red or blonde hair and everything. And why aren't they real women that are 50 pounds overweight? You know, they're never that kind of. It's always, you know what I'm saying? And they're standing there with a sword and they got the devil at the tip of the thing. And I think, you know, in the spirit, we can be powerful, but it's not our power. It's as we praise and worship the Lord. We may, you know, the Bible says we have this power. In 2 Corinthians 4, we have this authority. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. That the excellency of the power is of God, not of us. So even when you feel drugged down, broken, like you're not stellar and, and, and in your best shape, when you are praising God, the Lord is stultifying the enemy. So you don't have to have it all together for the enemy to be stultified through your praise. The last example I want to give is a familiar story about the Apostle Paul, Paul and Silas. And it's in Acts chapter 13. 
You can read it from verse 16 to verse 26. Paul's in the city of Philippi. He's preaching the gospel. And uh, in the process, he wrecks a fortune-telling business. And he ends up casting the familiar spirit out of the girl that's their primary fortune teller. And uh, they have a fit. And the devil in retribution, Satan in retribution for what Paul has done, stirs up the city against Paul and Silas so that they are apprehended and the Bible says severely beaten. Severely beaten. And then drugged and thrown into prison, put in painful leg irons. And I'm sure at this point the devil's just giddy. He's got to be beside himself. He's thinking, oh, that great apostle Paul. They're going to kill him. They're going to execute him. I've got him right where I want him. And uh, once Paul's killed, the whole church is going to collapse and depression's going to come on everybody. All this momentum's going to cease. He had to be so excited. And then about midnight, the apostle Paul and Silas decide to start singing praise to God. And they start praising the Lord, getting louder and louder until everybody in the jails woke up and they all hear these two guys down in the hold praising the Lord. And the Bible says the Lord shook the jail. All the iron fell off. All the doors opened up. The jailer and his whole family got saved. None of the prisoners would run out. Somehow they, I think they stayed there to hear the word myself, but the, the bottom line is, once again, through the praises of Paul and Silas, Satan is, he was stultified, man. Praise the Lord. Um, the dulling, inhibiting effect, impairing and invalidating Satan's weapons against you. They couldn't work. Not, they went through some trouble, no doubt. They were arrested. They were beaten. I mean, they went through some things, but they, they came out victorious. The enemy's weapons did not succeed. They broke down. Ultimately, the devil wanted to kill them, wanted to kill Jonah, wanted to kill Jesus. Hallelujah. We're going to go through some things in this life, but if we'll praise God, we will come out victorious in those things. And the, first, the last person I want to talk about uh, picture stultifying the enemy is you, you personally. And I've got a verse for you. This is your story. It's Psalm 68, 1 through 4. Listen to this. God springs into action. His enemies scatter. His adversaries run from him. As smoke is driven away by the wind, so you drive them away. As, max, as wax melts before fire, so the wicked are destroyed before God. But the godly, they're happy. They are rejoicing before God and are overcome with joy. Sing to God. Sing praises to His name. Exalt the one who rides on the clouds. For the Lord is His name. Rejoice before Him. Do you know what you just heard? You heard the Lord saying, while you are rejoicing and singing praise to me, I am like the fire melting the wax devil. I am like the wind blowing away that puff of smoke, the devil. I am driving. In fact, 
they open it up with the phrase, God springs into action. I want you to say that with me. God springs into action. Would you take that out of church with you this morning? Tuck it away in the back of your mind. Psalm 68, God springs into action. When? When you and I praise the Lord. Like nothing else you could do, God will spring into action. That is, that is phenomenal. When you and I praise the Lord. And somebody better warn the devil. So now picture in closing a stultified devil. Picture him. Get an image of him in your mind. He's hobbling away from you, beat up. Empty bottles of Maalox behind him. He's just guzzling one right after another. Why? Because you decided to praise the Lord in your situation. When you couldn't think of anything else, when you didn't know any solutions, you decided just to stand still and give him praise and see the salvation of God. And while the Lord's being glorified, the devil's being stultified. Hallelujah. I want to see the Lord lifted up because that's the, that is the way the enemy will be stultified. Amen. Close your Bible and stand with me this morning. Very 